As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. This week's podcast is brought to you by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. With over 50 years of experience in drag racing, BTE has been a trendsetter and innovator, placing themselves and their customers ahead of the pack. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Well, you know, Luke. Hey, Jed. How you doing, bud? Live from Las Vegas. Yes, you're enjoying... Las Vegas, and um, you know that's kind of a lead in to what everyone is talking about because the Spring Fling Million is coming up, Luke. I don't know if you know it. You should stick around out there since you're there already because there's a is that this coming up week? Yeah, this coming up. There's a huge race out there, and apparently, no offense to producer Mark, but apparently he is the only guy east of the Mississippi that is not going. To the spring fling million. Have you noticed on Facebook that everybody is going to Las Vegas this weekend? My wife told me that Peter Biondo and Kyle Seipel have broke the internet. According <laughs> to Facebook, they're going to have a thousand entries. Now, keep in mind, as you're listening to this, the spring fling million will be in full gear, right? It'll be rolling. It'll be Thursday, Friday, million dollar race day. We're recording this a little bit earlier in the week, so we don't have an exact feel for what this is going to look like other than it certainly appears that it's going to be big. Yeah, it does look, you know, looking at the flyer, it takes 475 entries in the million to pay a million on Friday. My gut feel is it's going to get as close as we've ever seen. 
if it doesn't actually get there. And I, I know that's being very optimistic, but my goodness, it just looks like everybody's going. And I really believe these guys with this new rule that you can share a car have created an opportunity to actually get there. And if it doesn't, it looks like it's going to be darn close. You realize that what you're proposing would be basically doubling the number of entries that they've ever had in the big show. Yeah, I realize that, but you got double the opportunities. And like I told you guys off air, I don't know how many exactly it is. I could count them up, but this race is in Las Vegas, Nevada. You know where that is. That's way out there. And there's probably going to be 10 entries from the state of Alabama. That, to me, says that people are committed and ready, and this thing is going to get very close. I realize that could be double, but you know, if you get that thousand entries, I guess it'll pay a couple of million. So somebody might win two million if Jessica's right. But all kidding aside, I really believe that we're going to get darn close, Luke. Well, I'll say this. It does seem, according to social media, like it seems overwhelming the number of people that are driving across the country to get here. You know, from east of the Mississippi in most cases, or certainly from Texas over, which is not close to Las Vegas if you own a globe. And here's the thing, like if you're going to drive 20 hours to this event, I would say that more than likely you're going to enter the big show. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think this is a deal where we get 600 entries in the 30s and 250 in the million. Like I think that the million's going to see almost as big a spike in entries as the surrounding races. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I believe that everybody traveling that far is committed to run the million. I mean, no offense, 30 granders are awesome. You won one the year after you won the spring fling million, if I remember correctly. And I know that feels really good, but uh, but let's be honest, we're spoiled out here on the East Coast. We can race for 30 grand on Saturday night if the crowd's halfway decent. So the million is the draw, and that's why people are traveling so far and really believe it's going to be huge. I, I get there Wednesday evening, so I won't get to partake in anything before Thursday morning as far as being on the racetrack, but my car is there and ready, and I'm excited, and I, I would you assume you being in the pits out there the last couple of weeks, you're hearing a lot of excitement too, so I really think it's going to be great for those guys. Yeah, it is. It's going to be big. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're, I'll just say it, unless somebody goes Johnny Ezel on us, two weeks from now, we'll have the winner of the Spring Fling Million on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. <laughs> we're going to throw out some predictions there. Predictions sure to go wrong. Uh, we're, we're each going to pick a winner, and we're going to, I guess, we didn't discuss this pre-show, but we might as well throw out a prediction for number of entries in the 30s and in the big show. But this is our way of making you listen to the next 40, 50 60 minutes of the podcast. We'll do that at the end. What do you think? I love it. Sounds great. In between, uh, I think we've got an NHRA heavy show because everything that wasn't NHRA racing over the course of the last two weeks, I think got rained out, canceled, postponed. I think we're going to talk a lot of NHRA. Let's start, Jed, chronologically. We'll go back to the first weekend of April, as we haven't had one of our regular shows since then. So that would include the four wide nationals here at the Strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, in addition to the double divisional event at the Texas Motorplex in Dallas. Start Vegas first. What stood out to you from the four wide nationals, Big Jed? Well, it's in the show notes, and i Honestly, I was uh, very transparent with you guys off air that I didn't really pay much attention to what was happening racing-wise. I've been covered up trying to get the car ready to go to Vegas. But I did get to see that 
Anthony Bertozzi got his, I believe it said 37th national event final with uh, maybe 23 of those being wins, but I don't remember the exact numbers, but Anthony Bertozzi got the win in Superstock. Had pretty good-looking box score as well. Uh, once again, Antoine gets it done. Yeah, I don't know if he's heard this in the past. That guy might have a future in this racing thing. Looks like he does pretty <laughs> well at it. Uh, I'm just pulling it up. You're right. 37th final round overall record. That was now his 23rd win. Very nice. Right yeah. off the top. You were probably reading that right off of your screen, but you made it sound like, I think that, that was <laughs> I really good. Anthony nearly doubled up. He made it to the semifinal in Top Dragster in addition to his Superstock win. I think he turned it red in the semis of Top Dragster. How about Don Thomas in the final round? to Superstock. Don Thomas looking for his first national event victory. Don Thomas lays down 17 dead two. That's 19 total off the bottom, on the long track, in the desert, in the wind. And Anthony Bertozzi says, no soup for you. (laughs) Bertozzi, 008, dead on four. I will take your 19 total and give you back seven change. Yeah, it's pretty brutal for Don Thomas. Uh, You know, I had to be uh, a little bit added pressure. Your race and arguably one of the the top five sportsman racers when you combine his IHRA and NHRA record and you lay down 19 total with as you mentioned tough conditions at times and all that going on and he does what Antoine does and gives you back a little change there that that had to be a tough break for Don but he has to feel pretty good about making a run like that just Anthony Bertozzi gets in on those at times and he did on this one yeah, nobody sets up tighter. Nobody sets up tighter. Supergas winner was Tanner Hyatt. That was his first national event victory. I think he'd been runner-up twice before. And that surprises me. And I'm not just saying this to kiss Tanner's butt because he's a cool guy. And he's told me that he listens to the podcast before. Shout out Tanner Hyatt. Every time that I come west, I, Tanner Hyatt impresses me. Like, I think he's a really, really good racer. And every time that I watch him race, I'm like, why doesn't this kid win more? Like, he does really good. Well, he won. And, and then he backed it up. He won the, the Super Comp shootout here at the Divisional 2. His first national event win, got the win over defending Super Comp world champion Steve Williams. So uh, Tanner Hyatt driving to the Super Gas victory uh, last weekend at the Vegas national event. Yeah, and uh, speaking of young, talented racers, uh, you got to see this firsthand. Marco Paravalaris got the win in Supercomp. Marco continues to show out on the big stage, Luke, whether it's bracket racing or 90 class, 90 index racing. This guy is a talented young man, great attitude. Just his overall demeanor is always excellent. Uh, I'm sure you guys got to chat it up a little bit before that final round, and you come up a little bit short there, but I guess you can be a little bit mad, but you can't be very mad when you lose to Marco. Hard to get upset losing to the Paravalaris family in general, but yeah. Uh, and Marco, like, I'll be completely honest, I, I made the final, like, proud of that. Uh, probably didn't deserve to be there. Marco did. He made better runs all weekend. He made a better run in the final. That final went probably the way it should have. Heads up final in stock, Jed. Those are always fun. Yeah, I love to see those. That's our boy Mangus got in a, a battle with Justin Jerome, and that was a good heads-up final as well. Both cars, I believe, if I remember right, I, I just scanned over that, but I think they were both going 1080s, and Ryan come up a little bit short there. But uh, it was a good heads-up final, Justin Jerome taking the win uh, for his first national event win. Yeah, pulling it up right now. Oh, wait, I'm off around. 
This is great podcasting right here as I try to find the stock eliminator final. Here we go. Jerome, 007 and 108 under. That's solid. That's tough to beat. Mangus, 28, 104 under. I would take that in a heads up final any day of the week. And uh, no soup for Mangus either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was Mangus was Mangus in the Lamb family Camaro? It's, he was in the Camaro. It is no longer the Lamb family Camaro. That car is now owned by the aforementioned Steve Williams. Ah, wow. Well, good deal there. So he, he picked him out a good shoe, and Mangus took that to a final round. Unfortunately, come up a little bit short. Those heads-ups, man, that's got to be tough. You've done plenty of that style racing. I'm sure that's a, a very frustrating thing when you run up on a car that's just faster than you, and you, you can't do anything with them. Yeah, I wouldn't know what it was like to be in Mangus' shoes where you actually had a prayer in that heads-up <laughs> matchup. Mine's pretty much, uh, if they have the same lettering on the window, you just say fuel. But uh, that looked like fun from where I was standing. More fun for Justin Jerome than for Ryan Mangus, but looked like fun. Continuing along the theme, the four wide nationals from Vegas, top sportsman winner, Doug Crumlich. That's a name that we talked a lot about at the end of last year, Jed. Doug was uh, involved in that championship battle with J.R. Loebner and ultimate champion, ultimately 2018 champion Ronnie Proctor. Crumlich won the national event here a week ago. I was surprised to see uh, as well as Tanner Hyatt, that was Doug Crumlich's first national event win. He got the win over Jeff Gillette. So that was cool. And it was, a, it was like a first-time winner thing. Justin Jerome's stock win. It was his first-time national event. Uh, Andy Spiegel won top dragster. It was not his first. It was his second. So uh, a lot of guys not particularly familiar with the national event winner circle getting the win. And then Anthony Bertozzi, he's won one or two of them yeah anthony marco and uh then you talked about first timers tanner hyatt and crumlich and and spiegel getting his second and justin jerome getting his first so a lot of first time winners out there that's always really cool to see so luke uh, we go from national event four wide action to the nhra division four lucas oil series at the texas motorplex it says here in the notes that was a double divisional there in dallas and rain hampered the weekend I know they finished race two on Monday because I was chatting back and forth with our buddy Brad Pluard about that. But uh, anything stand out to you there from the divisional? It was the race that will never end. That's the thing. About, like a double divisional on the NHRA side sounds really good on paper, right? You get to go. You get to race twice, one trip. Everyone that I've been to is kind of turns into a marathon because, A, NHRA divisionals get a lot of cars to begin with, typically. And, B... They get a lot more cars at a double because everybody's thinking the same thing that I just said. Like, oh, cool, one trip. Like, most of the doubles that I go to are eight-round super comp races. And then you just think, like, you got to do it all twice. Like, if there's any weather at all, they they're really become the marathon of a divisional event. It sounds like this was just that. But with that said, Trey and the guys Division 4 got everything done eventually. They had to push into Monday. So you figure a lot of the racers were there for five or six days. It's a long time to be at a racetrack to run two divisionals. But it's part of what is entailed there. And there was a, lots of stories there. There's lots of competitors that kind of showed out in multiple events over the course of the weekend one that stood out to me is uh, our friend austin williams austin ran stock and super comp at the two events so he had four opportunities he left the texas motorplex with a win which was in stock in race two a runner-up which was in super comp in race two and a semi-finalist in super comp in race one so four entries three of which made it to the semis one semi one runner-up one win for austin williams 
Cole Cummings jumped out to me, Jed. Red hot start to the season. We've said his name a couple of times already. He won Super Gas in the second race of the weekend. If you're keeping score at home, that is two Super Gas wins on the season for young Cole. In addition to a Super Comp runner-up, all on the divisional level, as we record this, Cole is currently leading the national points in Super Gas in a car that, up until this season, had always run in Super Street. In fact, I think I mistakenly said that he won a Super Street race earlier this year. That's not true. That car's been running in Super Gas, uh, and Cole is having his way with the Super Gas field to this point. Yeah, great to see Cole getting that done. Another um, Cummings name on the board uh, and a long list of Bayou Boys Cummings successful racers so looking for big things out of cole as well uh luke you mentioned craig bourgeois a little earlier he sweeps comp uh, gets both of the both of the uh, championship trophies there at the motorplex and claims roger brogdon's bonus money now roger brogdon has put up uh, actually brad plewer mentioned this to me this week was $150,000 total out of his pocket that he's put up for the comp racers, and Bourgeois is getting a, a, a little bit of that with this sweep here in Dallas, or Ennis. I'm not that familiar with exactly what Brogdon's doing, but I know that it is a huge influx into Competition Eliminator. I'd, I assume in an effort to kind of uh, give that class a shot in the arm and keep it going. And the the turnout and the response from that specific to this race at Dallas was huge. I think I saw that they had 37 or 39 entries in competition eliminator outside of the u.s nationals like you don't see that so that is awesome and that's cool to see because i know that a big percentage of our listeners like don't either maybe don't care about competition eliminator or don't completely understand it but if you take the time to understand it it is a really cool category that i would i it's good to see it thriving and getting that shot in the arm yeah, you know, I've never been a huge fan of comp just because it's, you know, you don't see that kind of racing. I don't see it out this way very often, but uh, ever since uh, our, our buddy BP's got in there and, of course, following Rampy over the years, I, I've paid attention a little bit, but you're talking about a guy in Bourgeois that is just absolutely a perennial power in that, that class. Uh, continues to show out every time he gets out there and getting that sweep was was big for him and his uh his points championship chase as uh, the season moves on and uh, luke they also had a moser shootout where uh, i apologize i hope i don't get this wrong but jim capiello got the win over cy hill i'm confused I, I gotta get on my soapbox here because i've known jim capiello as long as i've been racing division four guy right and now, like, I thought he just had a buddy in uh, on Drag Race Central because his, it, we've always called him Jim Rod, right? Jim Rod. But his, like, name on Drag Race Central has gone from Jim Capiello to Jim Rod Cap. Like, he, he cut off, like, the two-thirds of his last name. And I thought, okay, like, he's got an in. But in the press release, like, the Mosier press release, Jim Rod Cap wins. Like, did he have an official name change? Well, I, I have no idea inquiring minds want to know jim rod come on the podcast let us know but jim if yellow he, jim rod cap awesome racer been an awesome racer for a long time huge win at the motor shootout uh, what's what's the story on the name i don't i don't know i don't get it if we had a name change it it had to be for the better because anytime you could take jim rod and turn into jim rod cap i think you've only that really does become a top name. 10 name like a midi yeah. immediately doesn't yeah, you've it? only jim improved the name what so, if we change the emphasis? Jim Rodcap. 
Yeah, I like that. It's yes. really about what word you emphasize. Very I never, well. yeah, I never even thought about it in that light. That's fantastic. I, I feel like there's a shout out somewhere in there. I can't wait till we get to that part of the show. But Aaron Stanfield, Luke continues his hot start with a top dragster win in race two. Uh, he is the early national points leader in top dragster. Another talented young man, second generation or maybe even third generation racer there. As Stanfield is uh, continuing to show out. Craig Anderson got the super comp runner-up in race one to Mike Green. Uh, Craig won the Phoenix National. He's currently fifth in the point, so Craig continuing with uh, a good season. And top dragster race number one was Mario Bosch getting a win over Ross. And uh, we, we continue this. Is it Laris? Is it Larice? But I'm going Laris. It's what it looks like. Okay, yeah, it's it is not Rose Laris, it is Ross Larice. <laughs> it is Larice, okay. Yeah. So Ross got the win in Gainesville at the uh, Luke Soil Divisional, and he's currently second in the world. So a lot of guys continuing a hot early start, whether it's on the divisional level or the national level, and uh, starting to shake those points up a little bit. And I know we'll dive into that more and more and more as the season progresses. That's the thing to this point in the year, Jed. Like if you. You don't go win one NHRA race. Like, if you do that, you're an underachiever at this point. Everyone <laughs> yeah. that wins, wins two or three or two wins and a runner-up. Like, it's uh, seemingly in every class to this point, there are two or three individuals that have just shown out already and kind of distanced themselves from the field um, early on. Okay, we fast forward a week now to this past weekend, which brought, again, NHRA heavy. Divisional events in Division 2 at Atlanta and Division 7 here in Las Vegas, as well as the national event in Houston, which looked like just a pathetic forecast down in Houston. But they got everything in, like, on schedule. And from there, I guess we'll start there because it's a national event. Uh, what jumped out to me was Vernon Rowland, another first-time NHRA winner. Vernon, no stranger to success. I believe he's a former IHRA world champion. Done a lot of damage on the IHRA side. Had some success in the big dollar bracket ranks. This was his first NHRA national event win, so that's always cool to see. Jacob Pitt finished off the second weekend of Red Hot Stretch. This is another one of those guys that I said, you don't win one NHRA event. Jacobs won two. He won the first leg of the double at Dallas in Stock Eliminator. And then what, eight days later, repeated the feat at the Houston National Events. That's back-to-back Stock Eliminator wins for Jacob Pitt. And you just got done talking about Ross Larice. And the note that we had included in there was Ross was second in the world after finishing runner-up in that race at Dallas. Eight days later, Actually, in Ross's case, I think that was race two. Six days later, Ross goes to Houston, wins top dragster there, and now in not only leading the top dragster national points, like as much as you can have a stranglehold on it in April, he's got that. That's uh, now two wins and a runner-up in top dragster on the young season for Mr. Larice. Yeah, now Houston National, uh, I know we don't talk about pro stock on the show with any regularity, but that Houston National was the first one without the uh, traditional pro stock category that we've all come to know and love. So that was a little bit different. It had Mountain Motor pro stock, but I think that was pretty cool. But uh, without the pro stock class there, it just takes a little bit off of it for me. I always look forward to looking at those results. But Luke, yeah, we'll move it was over. very different. It was like an IHRA reunion at the Houston National. <laughs> Somebody posted that on Facebook. But when's the last time you saw Mountain Motor Pro Stocks, Nitro Harley, Top Dragster, all at the same event? Like, it would be circa 2009 IHRA, right? Yeah, very similar to that program. You're correct. So, Luke, we'll come back over to Atlanta to uh, Commerce. 
Let's do and Vegas it. first. Let's do Vegas first. Okay. We'll, we'll get back to Atlanta. The Vegas Divisional, like I was here, I could rattle off all of the winners, but like storyline wise, nothing completely stood out to me except for one final round. And I'll be completely honest, this is, I should get some type of an award for outstanding journalism here because I don't know what happened. I wasn't up there. <laughs> but the rumor here at the racetrack is that. Actually, it's not a rumor. Steve Kasner won Top Dragster. We know that much. The rumor at the racetrack is that Steve Kasner changed a lifter in the staging lanes prior to the final round. I can neither confirm nor deny that, but if there's any thread of truth there, that's awesome. Yeah, that would be really cool if that happened, and it wouldn't surprise me. I know we talked about Kasner last year where he showed up to, uh, I guess it was Salt Lake with no time runs or whatever and won the class, and guy just pulls rabbits out of his hats and doesn't let things bother him so it wouldn't surprise me but changing one in the staging lanes first you know you got to have it somebody's got to be able to go get it get it to you you know get tools around a lot of stuff (laughs) there's a lot going on there to make that happen and you're about to run the final round in top dragster gets it done wins the race really cool story if it happened just like uh, it has been reported yeah we're not talking about like changing a gas cap right change a lifter (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah. that's pretty salty right obviously the intake manifold didn't come out assume that there's some fishing out involved there spread port oh, yeah. motor but yeah. yeah that's impressive uh coat that hanger was, had to be involved yes magnets coat hangers little pull hammer yeah <laughs> i like it yeah he got the top dragster win over brianna weems and like with all due respect to the other winners here nothing else really stood out to me so with that We'll move on to Atlanta. We'll save this first one on our sheet for last because I think it's most impressive. David Rampey, red hot. I don't even know if we mentioned he won Superstock at one of the double division races at Dallas. It was also, I think you had said, Jed, runner up to Craig Bourgeois on one of the days that he won there. Takes that show on the road from Dallas to Atlanta. Appears in two more final rounds in Atlanta in both Superstock and Competition Eliminator. Those didn't end well for the the man, the myth, the legend, David Rampey. He's runner-up in both, but that's still four final rounds in a two-week span, or really less than that, like an eight-day span. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive, but no surprise from Rambo. Uh, Luke, uh, Atlanta was full, as you mentioned, and, and it was slipping by me, but I understand why we're going to hold off on the number one thing on our list. But it was just full of great stories. Uh, the next one on the list is David Tatum getting the top sportsman win in his Fire Aid uh, S10, Pro Stock S10 style truck. We all know David Tatum's story, uh, having his car stolen right out of his driveway, a beautiful Chevy 2 super gas car that uh, was taken from him, destroyed, found later, no chance of fixing it. He has rebuilt his racing program, got a beautiful ride, and comes out and gets that big top sportsman win. That that feels really good to see David back on top. Yeah, quite the story of redemption. Several years in the making, but I think you're right. I think this is David's first big win since that ordeal. Yeah, really as far cool. as I know, it is, yes. Yeah, and to see him venture into the top sportsman waters. David's always been a super gas, super comp, super street guy. Uh, now he's going fast and sounds like he's having a good time with it. So kudos to him. Jeff Strickland, the man that, uh, was it three years ago now, doubled up for the world championship, top dragster and stock. Did the same thing on a little bit smaller scale last weekend in Atlanta. Got left there with two wallies, when in top dragster and in stock eliminator. Obviously bolsters his opportunity to have a finish similar to what he did in, that have been 2016, right? I believe you are correct. And, um, you know, it's, again, those categories, as you mentioned many times throughout his chase, 
back when he won both in world takes two sets of uh, or two different skill sets to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish and to be able to go back and forth and do that with consistent success is very impressive from our man and the pride of Red Bay, Alabama, Jeff Strickland. But speaking of a guy that just wins, Luke, there's our boy, Jonathan Anderson, got the win again in the Super Street category. Wait, was this uh, an NHRA divisional event in Division Two? <laughs> it was. It uh, was. Jonathan Anderson won Super Street? Yeah. Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. Big surprise there. Jonathan Anderson getting it done again. I'll take your uh, your point on Strick and uh, and just emphasize it a little bit more. I know we've said that in the past. Like, I'm not sure that you could have two more diverse classes to race. Top dragster going 620s, 640s, however fast Strick's going. And then uh, he's driving a Copo stock eliminator. It's one of the faster stock eliminator cars, but it is still a stalker. Just to that point, um, I just jumped into Justin Lamb's stalker last week here at Vegas. And like, there's a lot going on in there. That thing does wheelies. It's really fast. The one-two comes really quick. I forgot to shift the first time trial. I didn't forget. Like, I knew it was coming. But it did a bigger wheelie than I expected. And it, that kind of distracted me. So it set the front end down. And I'm like, oh, okay, I need to shift. And right as I said, like, the word shift in my mind, it hit the rev limiter. I'm like, oh, yeah, should have done that a little earlier. So there's, a, I mean, just the whole idea. I don't think I've driven a car that I had to shift in five years, right? Strick does that every run, and then he just hops in another one and goes 210 miles an hour. There's a lot going on there. Like, I realize the more that you do anything, the more natural it becomes, but those are two really, really unique skill sets that he makes look very easy. Yes, they are. So before we get to what was number one on our list, real quickly, that was not the biggest story in Georgia, although all that stuff was huge. biggest story in Georgia was Tiger Woods winning the Masters. Uh, as we record this, that happened very recently. So I just had to slip that in somewhere because I think that's really cool and enjoyed watching it. Got to go over on Tuesday and enjoy a little bit of Masters action myself, a little practice round. So I got to see Tiger warming up, and I knew then he was going to win it. So really big deal. I don't know if you got to see the Masters. It really didn't fit anywhere in what we were talking about, but I just wanted to say that. Hey, sports is sports makes for a fantastic story, and by all accounts, this one topped the charts. So before we get to number one on the list, Luke, that's going to lead us right into our next segment, which will be the BTE Who's Hot Driver of the Week. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. The BTE staff is selected directly from the racing community. From sales to manufacturing, each member of their staff is a performance enthusiast. With multiple world championships and number one qualifiers, they offer expert professional technical advice for your racing operation. See our staff directory. Our commitment to your success is part of our own. So, Luke, you, you stopped me from giving up the uh, information here on the BT Who's Hot this week, and um, I about messed that up, but... Why don't you take this one and tell them all about this week's hot driver? Okay, so if you're listening to this and you were at the Division Two event in Atlanta, you're saying, guys, you missed the big story. No, man, we didn't miss the big story. We were teeing it up for the BTE who's hot. Okay, <laughs> if you're a longtime listener, you might realize occasionally we, we, we do miss the big story, but we didn't this time. This week's BTE who's hot is Ray Ray Miller, Ray Miller the third. Ray Ray won Super Comp at Atlanta last weekend at the Division II event, which is impressive enough in and of itself. 
That was Ray Ray's third NHRA Division II event of the season. Prior to winning at Atlanta, he won the Division II race at South Georgia. Prior to winning at South Georgia, he won the Division II race at Gainesville. So I don't know. It's probably somewhere between 18 and 20 consecutive round wins in NHRA Division II Super Comp competition to start the season for one Ray Ray Miller. Super impressive. He it's not he hasn't gone completely uh his his 2018 season record is not completely unblemished. He did go to one national event and he did not win. But on the divisional side, perfect. Uh 3 for 3. And that in and of itself, Big Jed, that is worthy of this week's BTE who's hot. Yeah, and like uh, I mentioned in an earlier show, earlier episode that a lot of guys travel in just to get some racing. They're they're tired of snow, they're tired of cold. Usually these events, they're always full of great racers, but usually they're full of some extra ones outside of your division. If you're a Division Two racer, for Ray Ray to get through those fields unscathed in three divisionals is very, very impressive. Uh, it is extremely hard to do. A lot of talent, a lot of great equipment, but that Miller Race Cars entry performed very well, and obviously Ray Ray did as well. So congratulations to Ray Ray for being the BTE Who's Hot driver of this episode. Spoiler alert. If you came into the 2019 season thinking, you know, it would be cool to represent Division Two in the Jags All-Stars and Super Comp, you're not going to do that. Ray Ray's <laughs> going to do that. If you came into the season thinking, you know, it'd be cool to win the NHRA Division II Super Comp Championship, it's not going to happen. Ray Ray's going to do that. Uh, I won't go so far as to say like the World Championship is locked up because it is April. There's a long way to go. But Ray Ray's won three races out of four. And it's not like Joe Blow won his three races, which would be impressive enough in itself. Like, Ray Ray's, I don't want to jinx him and say like he's going to win again. Like, it's not like he's going to put up seven first round losses. Like, he's going to go to the races. He's going to be Ray Ray. He's going to be good. He's going to put up a monster score in Supercom. So, uh, I know we said this before. He's come close several times. And you'd think, like, I don't want to put more pressure on him than I'm sure he's putting on himself because it is April. There's a long way to go. But it looks like the year that it will happen. Like, maybe this is the year Ray Ray gets his world championship. Long time coming. Yeah, very good point. No offense to anybody, but this is not some dude with airplane tires and throttle stopping on the top end. This is uh, Ray Ray Miller, and he is a force to be reckoned with at all times. So That's at JP11X. Yeah, well, I had to get a little bit of something stirred up, Luke. We, we, we're too soft right now. We really are. This, this is pitiful. Let's get we, abrasive. I'm not we, down. We, we've, got to get, we've got to have a rant coming up soon. My goodness, this is terrible. But anyway... Let's wrap up. Since our last show where we talked about our NCAA basketball championship bracket, where we tied a phrase that whips us to every uh, one of the top four seeds in every region, which was 16 teams, that's over, Luke. It is over, and there's now a champion. You know what the best part of this is, Jed? What's that? I get to tee you up for another Tracy Hardy impression. Let's hear it. Yeah, I got the electricity. <laughs> <laughs> if you the knew Virginia, Tracy Hardy, I mean, that was nailed. That was nailed. That was great. The The Virginia Cavaliers have won the 2019 NCAA tournament. The Virginia Cavaliers are tied to the phrase that whips us, got the electricity. And if, <laughs> yeah, you're, not, if you're not familiar with the term, that is, you made the wind light come on. You got the electricity. 
the Wahoos are the champions, got past Texas Tech, load up was the phrase that was tied to the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and the Wahoos did just that. So congratulations to all you Virginia Cavaliers fans on your first ever national championship. And we talked about feel-good stories here, Luke. Real quick, if you know anything about basketball, you know Virginia lost in the first round last year as a number one seed, the only team to ever lose to a number 16 seed in round number one as a number one seed. And then they come back the ultimate story of redemption and get their first national championship. So they're now the only team to win a national championship the year after losing to a 16 seed as a one seed. Yes. About that. They will only want the only team to ever do it. Shout out to, uh, to Mark Titus and Tate Frazier. They are the co-hosts of one shining podcast, which if you follow college basketball at all is the most hilarious podcast in the world. And, um, they were calling it because you just think, I don't want to get too basketball intense here, but those last three games for Virginia is the miracle comeback against Purdue, the crazy ending against Auburn. And then a game that easily could have been lost against Texas tech in, in essence, three games in which, Virginia was trailing behind on the scoreboard with less than 30 seconds to go. And in two of those cases, literally behind on the scoreboard with less than a second to go in the game. So Titus and Tate keep referring to it as God's plan. And like they play the Drake song in, on the podcast. It's just God's plan. Virginia's going to win. It's good stuff. And they got the electricity. So that's fantastic. On a more serious note, and I'm actually, I'm going to tease this a little bit because I'm in the process of writing this. So this will come up in National Dragster at some point. I'm combining my interests here. Like you guys know, I'm a college hoops head. But this whole ability to overcome what that basketball team has been through, right? To, To suffer probably, I don't even know if it's arguably, like the most humiliating loss in NCAA tournament history, probably the most humiliating loss in, in college basketball history. And then to come back from that and win this tournament in the, the nature in which they did it, Jed, because it's one thing, it was crazy, right? Those last, you could not replicate the ending of those three games, right? But yeah. if you watch the players on the floor, like I'm into this, right? I'm, I'm watching every second, specifically late game in these it looked to a man like every Virginia Cavalier felt like they were going to win those games somehow, some way. Even when the situation seemed extremely desperate, they never seemed to question that like, and never panicked. And I think in their case, that's largely a result of going through what they had been through. Like, what more do you have to lose? Like, you, there's got to be a, a point in your mind where you just say, well, it can't get any worse than last year. And we lived through that. <laughs> You know what I mean? There's a freedom. There's a perspective that comes along with that. And But I was thinking of the, the point of this column was how do you cultivate that belief? Because you can sit here and say that those three wins, there was luck. Either those were lucky, right? That's what everybody's going to say. And obviously, there was a good amount of fortune involved there. But I am a firm believer that luck quote unquote luck is almost always, if not inevitably, preceded by that belief. And that belief seemed unshakable in those cavaliers. So doing through what they've been through, that's one thing. How would you would you cultivate that otherwise? And in my mind, and the point of this column that again, being a national director at some point, is there's only I think there's only three ways to do it, Jed. You either go through something like they've been through and have that, okay, like that didn't kill me. So 
I can do this. You go to the other extreme and just win all the time to where losing never even enters your mind, right? Yeah. And which is probably a, a, a short-lived thing, you know, in whatever you're doing. Like, you can only dominate for so long. Someone will catch on, unless you're maybe UConn college basketball. But I guess Women. now, yeah, <laughs> someone has caught on there, too. Or I think the, the, the third way, the, the more practical way to go about it is to have supreme confidence in preparation and like kind of work your way towards it. And that's more the premise of my column. And that's not to say that Virginia wasn't prepared. Obviously, they were super prepared. But I think there's an element of that perspective and kind of that freedom knowing that, OK, we went through that. We lived through that. That's the worst that can happen. Like, OK, bring it. And I don't think that you could just. I don't think you can manufacture that type of adversity. Yeah, very interesting perspective there. Look, look forward to reading that. And when you get it put out and, you know, you talk about Virginia, again, this is not a college basketball show, but I'm a big fan myself. And that university uh, basketball, men's basketball program has suffered the two most embarrassing uh, losses in college basketball history as the Ralph Sampson-led Virginia team lost to Chaminade, which was an NAIA Ooh. school at the time, and they were number one in the country. Uh, I believe that was 1980, if I remember correctly. But No wonder uh, I didn't remember that one. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, then they lose as a number one seed to a 16. So it is a story of ultimate redemption, and I'm sure uh, – I'm sure those guys are on top of the world right now, and all those fans are too, having especially the older ones living through all lived having lived through all that. So, Luke, let's pay some bills and uh, come back and tell everybody about well, what's happening on the racing calendar. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. So you can prove them all wrong Only thing that matters is who turns the big BTE is one of a few full-service transmission companies with a full array of manufacturing and testing capabilities. Their in-house CNC facility is paired with an extensive collection of gear hobbing and shaping machines to produce any high-performance driveline product. From inception, BTE's racing products are designed, prototyped, field-tested, produced, inspected, and even shipped by real racers. Just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, their warehouse and manufacturing facility in Mount Pleasant, Mississippi, is stocked with thousands of parts and centrally located in the United States for fast delivery anywhere. So Luke got a lot of racing on tap. This week is a major event, which we'll talk about at the end of what's on tap, just uh, so we can tie in all of our stuff that we want to do about that event. Next week, if you're listening to us right now, obviously you know it is Spring Fling Million Week. But next week, April 26th through the 28th, the ATI Bigfoot Classic from Loose Rocker Promotions is at Darlington Dragway in South Carolina. The guys at Loose Rocker are putting on that uh, 40 grander on Saturday. That's the main event with a, a couple of smaller races around it. But really big deal for the footbrake community. It is the Bigfoot Classic. Guys, 40 
$1,000 to win on the bottom, foot breaking, swapping feet on Saturday in Darlington. Get out to the Bigfoot Classic next week. Enjoy some foot swapping. The uh, same weekend, the Super 7 Series is at Montgomery Raceway Park here in Montgomery, Alabama. Again, the 27th and 28th, same weekend, the 10 Grand Slam, which I believe we have uh, given the title of best race name ever. The 10 Grand Slam is a really cool name. It's at Richmond Dragway in Sandston, Virginia, a very popular event up in that part of the country. And the 26th through the 28th, the NGK Spark Plugs NHRA four-wide nationals at Charlotte. Just come off a of four-wide in Vegas. We're going to do a four-wide style on the East Coast in Charlotte. But this week is, Luke, the Spring Fling Million at the Strip at Las Vegas. You're there. I'm on the way Wednesday. It's going to be huge. Yeah, the, in my mind, there's there's not another race on the calendar right now. I think all eyes within the sportsman drag racing community are on Las Vegas for the next week. Big Jed, we teased it earlier. I want to hear how many entries will be in the biggest 30 grander, how many entries in the Spring Fling Million, and who wins it. All right, so uh, I've talked about it in the early part of the show that, you know, this thing could pay a million. It takes four seventy-five, and I really believe if it doesn't get there, it's going to get darn close. I'm going to go, because odd numbers are my thing, I'm going to go 407 entries in the Spring Flame Million, 407 strong. I really think it's going to be big. And the winner is... And I boasted off air that I was going to pick somebody on the bottom for the first time ever. A bottom bomber is going to win it. And much as I'd like to see that, I am going with the Pennington to win it all. The Peep Show will be your spring fling million winner after beating the other 406 entries on Friday. Look who you got. Wow. Okay. How about the, the biggest 30 grander? How many in it? Oh, the 30 grander is going to have 571. Okay. I'll 571. Like the it's funny. I actually had to take a minute while we were off air because I'm like, who, who am I going to pick to win? Like, who am I going to burden with this? And I I came up with three names on the top of my head, and actually Peeps was one of them. So I'll eliminate that just so wow. that we don't have the same choice. Yeah, no pressure, Peeps. Okay, what did you say for total entries in the 30s? Oh, 571 in the 30s. Okay, one of us is like way off. I've got six fifteen in the thirties, but I have, I, but I have three twenty one in the million. Okay, okay. I think uh, I think you'll have a lot of cars doubled in the thirties with that rule. I don't think that everybody will be as froggy to double in the million. That makes sense. I think you're going to have a huge East Coast contingent. And I've said for years that one of the the West Coast guys, like the names that come to mind would be Marco, would be Chris Whitfield, would be Race Kid on down the line. Like Plenty of capable racers on this side of the country. But with this influx of guys coming from back East, call me a homer. I just don't think this is the year. I I think this is going the, the, the big prize, which I think now undeniably will be the biggest spring fling million purse ever. It could very well end up being the biggest quote unquote million dollar race purse ever. Certainly if you're on, on pace with your prediction, I think it's going to head back East and I'm going to go, like I say, I had three, so I've narrowed it down to two. 
I will just say that the final round, how about this? I'll go way out on limb and just predict both finalists. <laughs> okay, I like I it. I will say that my man, Racing Jason Lynch, runners up his second million dollar race to the youngster that manages to keep it on all four wheels this time around. Corey Galletti oh. wins the Spring Fling Million. Wow. Corey Galletti, back to back million dollar final rounds. And getting his name on the big trophy at the Spring Fling Million would be quite a story. And uh, Catfish making another big final round would be quite expected. So should be very interesting, Luke, to see how it all plays out. And I'm, I'm here for the story. To. Tiger Woods got nothing on Corey Gillette if he pulls that off. Okay, that might be a stretch. But it'd yeah. be a great story. Yeah, Tiger was, uh, I mean, the guy couldn't even swing the club, Luke. I mean, he, he, he was done. He was the greatest ever to not going to get to be the greatest ever, to now going to be the greatest ever. It's a, it is the ultimate story. That's a lot to keep up with. That is Can you repeat that one more time? It's a lot to keep up with. So uh, looking forward to it, Luke. It's, it's going to be a good time. I'm going to have fun. I did mention in a group text between your, you and uh, our buddy Kyle Seipel that uh, if you beat me again in the million-dollar race, that uh, I will burn the tower down at the strip at Las Vegas. So please don't make me do that. Don't Can pull we share up on Kyle's me. response? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> so. Please don't hook me out there again this year. I'm going to have Big Red, and it's going to be a great time. Looking forward to seeing you and everybody else. And uh, just uh, hold me a spot in the lanes out there. I'll see you in a few days. I mean, sounds good. If Big Red gets lonely, I am just driving one car, so let me know. Yeah, uh, might not have the right tires on it for. Oh, yeah, that back. could be an issue. <laughs> we got a little slap on the wrist for that last weekend. We'll stay away from that. <laughs> yeah, let's avoid that. So, all right, guys, uh, that wraps us up. This episode of the Sportsman, you weren't supposed to say that on air. Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is coming to a close. I want to say thanks to our. Great sponsors, uh, BTE, those guys with us each and every week, and uh, we hope you go support them every opportunity you get. And Luke, it is, uh, again, one of my most most disfavorite parts of the show, and that's shout-out time. Yes, yes. All right, shout-outs to Tanner Hyatt. Shout-out to Jim Cappiello. Shout-out to Jim Rodcap. Shout-out to Jim Rodcap. Shout out to Russ Larice. I'm sorry. Shout out to Russ Larice, to Ross Laris, and to Ross Larice. Shout out to me just going off on a rant and talking about my national director column about Virginia. Like it's an odd enough column as it is. Loved I think it. in the business, Jed, we call that a teaser. Loved. Okay, it, good. It was perfect. Yeah. Uh, and along those lines, shout out to Chaminade and, and Ralph <laughs> Sampson and the other big guy that we can't remember his name. Shout out to Tiger Woods. Shout out to Ellen Norgren, for that matter. Shout out to <laughs> Staging Lane Thrashes on account of uh, of uh, Steve Kasner and, you know, reportedly changing a lifter prior to the final round. What's the greatest, Jed, uh, Staging Lane Thrash that you've either, ever either been a part of or witnessed in person? Oh, man, that's uh, that is a tough one because I've seen quite a few. The greatest, that would take a lot more time to think about that. I remember Phil Combs fixing somebody's car in the staging line. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was that uh, Lucas's? 
Yeah, it, it was. It was at the Southern Footbrake Challenge. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was Brian Walker's. It was Brian Walker's car. But anyway, Phil's got tons of those stories. He's the most helpful guy at the racetrack. So, but I don't remember exactly what it was. I've got two. They don't really qualify though. They weren't necessarily staging lane stories. Back in the day at the 50 grander at Michigan, Tim Archer won. This is late in the race, maybe fifth round and kick the rods out and if it wasn't for the fact that we might have wasted 10 minutes going you know tim going you know i got a spare motor but there ain't no way we'd get that change in time to make the next round like that literally went on for five or ten minutes before we decided to change the motor and it wasn't a complete motor sitting there like carved a pan it didn't have an intake manifold on it and i remember this thing going in bolting an intake manifold on it there was a runner going back and forth to the racetrack to tell them how many cars were left in the staging lanes i vividly remember them starting the car and there was maybe three cars left in the lanes and somebody yelling we need a timing light and this is no kidding like this is so perfect kenny underwood grabbed the distributor with it running turned it and said it's just right and tim took off to the lanes and when we come back and checked it afterwards, it was within like two degrees. So shout out to Kenny for tuning it by ear. It all didn't end well. Archer didn't make the round. It was bizarre. Like oh. the guy, yeah. He was under the tower as the buy run staged. That was a good one. And Jed, you might have even been a part of this. I don't even know that I was there. This may be one of those folklore things at this point. But B&M race back in the day, maybe six cars left. It was really late in the race. Tricky Ricky, GTFO Ricky Jones, breaks planetaries at six cars, Yes, drives right back up into the trailer, up on the lift, and they swap transmissions to make the semifinal round. And the, the, the folklore of that is it was like two bell housing bolts, one converter bolt, stages it up. He might have had the buy run, and they come back and tightened everything up. I don't remember, but I think he ended up winning the race. So that's pretty cool. That did happen. I don't remember all the details, but it was stupid like 13 minutes or something trans swap i mean drive shaft back in it ready to go down the racetrack and it was it was unbelievable i remember that the aforementioned racing jason lynch will end the podcast once again on a racing jason story super gas national event houston texas probably three four years ago second first or second round of super gas kicked the rods out the time slips were less than an hour i think it was 58 minutes apart stage for round three with another motor oh wow yeah not in a dragster and i think it was the chevy 2 super gas car that's impressive that was very impressive one last shout out i will shout out kyle seipel awesome show last week we've gotten a ton of great listener feedback kyle's gotten a ton of great feedback and support from that well deserved really appreciate kyle coming on telling us his story providing motivation and i would assume somewhere along the line helping someone through something relatively similar so huge shouts to kyle very well said shout out big nasty i second that one for sure and uh an interview uh although difficult to listen to that that journey uh, was uh, one I thoroughly enjoyed, and I know you did too, Luke. So, Kyle, thank you for coming on and doing that, and we appreciate all the feedback from everyone. I have seen a lot of that myself. So, guys, speaking of feedback, be sure to tell us what you think. Message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can at either Luke or myself right there on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And as soon as I figure out how to reset my password, which is giving me tons of trouble right now, 
I will be JP11X, so if you're going to get on me about something, I might not see it because I'm really struggling with that right now for some reason, but I will try to get that fixed, and y'all just wear me out. We're done. Next time we get together, we'll talk about all of this great racing we just discussed and how close Luke and I got to being correct on number of entries and winners in the spring fling million. So uh, hopefully we're talking about one of us getting it done. But nonetheless, we look forward to talking some racing with you again real soon. We appreciate you listening. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning it. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom ball before a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>